add my welcome to you all. It's good to be here on this Lord's Day. It's good to look out and see so many people here. Sometimes with holidays and people traveling and um, <clears throat> you just never know who might be here. But it's so good to, to look out and see so many faces on this Lord's Day. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate the opportunity we have to come together to, to worship our God. As I've mentioned in the Bible class and the thoughts around the Lord's table, it's the beginning of a new year. Today is the first day of the year 2017, in case you didn't know. It is my duty to inform. I take that responsibility uh, on myself. Um, so I wanted to get some thoughts about um, the new year. Um, there's also an article in the bulletin if um, you'd like to pick that up. I also have some thoughts there about um, the new year and how we can have a happy new year. Um, but today I wanted to look at some lessons that we can learn, some things that we can take with us into the new year, and hopefully be encouraged by um, the epistle of Jude. So if you'd like to be turning to Jude, um, that's where the majority of our text will come from this morning. But there's some lessons here um, in this short epistle that hopefully we can look at and consider and help, help to get us off on the right foot in this new year. So if you're there in Jude, we'll begin our reading. Verse 1 says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in, the God, in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. I have the opening salutation here. We know that this is Jude writing to the beloved, those of Christ, those of the members of the body. First thing we're going to look at and how Jude opens his letter is he's going to exhort them to contend earnestly for the faith. Verse 3 says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all the saints. That word there, contend, it means, just look up in a definition, look up the definition in a dictionary. Content means to struggle, to surmount. To struggle, to surmount. Or to assert something as a position in an argument. So if we think about contending earnestly for the faith, Jude is asking his readers to assert their position in their faith in God. Earnestly so. In other words, he's asking them to stand up for God. In 1 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But sanctify Christ in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that lies within you. Stand up for God. Jude is saying here, contend earnestly for the faith. Peter says, be ready to give an account for the hope that lies within you. We come in contact with those in the world and our family members, we're just coming out of the holiday season, we have that, those opportunities to be around our family. Were we contending earnestly for the faith? Are we standing up for God? We have opportunities where we can say, 
here's the hope that lies within me. I hope so. And I hope that in this year, as we see those opportunities and maybe even make those opportunities, that we'll seize on that. Contend earnestly for the faith. And if you think about this idea of contending earnestly or making a stand for God, think about how critical it is as, a, as we are becoming a child of God. Really, it's, it's one of those steps, isn't it? It's, it's confession. Jesus in Matthew 10, verse 32 says, Therefore, everyone who shall confess me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. That idea of confession is so very important in the plan of salvation. We have to recognize who God is, recognize who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus says, if you'll make that confession before men, I'll make that confession before my Father who is in heaven. That's why we ask those who are being baptized to make that good confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How very important it is to contend earnestly for the faith. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. <coughs> 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul writes here, beginning in verse 11. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Sound familiar? I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. See all these confessions that are being made? Verse 14. That you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him the honor and eternal dominion. How important that confession is. How important it is to make that stand for God. Paul reminds Timothy here, Jesus did it. He did it in the face of Pontius Pilate. He made that good confession. We have to make that stand for God. Jude is reminding his readers here. Contend earnestly for the faith. Make the stand for God. <coughs> Immediately, back in Jude, when he tells them to stand earnestly, contend earnestly for the faith, the next thing he tells them is to be, beware of false teachers. Verse 4. It says, For certain persons have crept in unnoticed those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Our second thing is we consider these lessons from Jude is to look out for those false teachers. Look out for those who are trying to lead us astray. Jude says certain persons have crept in unnoticed. It's a real danger, brethren. It's a danger that those can creep in and unnoticeably lead others astray. We have to be on guard about that all the time. Jude goes on to remind them about the punishment 
that those who do this will receive. In verse 5, it says, Now I desire to remind you, though you know all these things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. Verse 6, And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept an eternal bond under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they were the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal life. Yet in the same manner, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic ministries. Jude reminds them that those who practice such things are going to be punished. It brings up these examples. Those coming out of Egypt who lost their faith in God, they were punished. Those in Sodom and Gomorrah who gave up, gave up themselves over to lust and to strange flesh, they were punished. There's a punishment for those who try to lead us astray. Over in verse 11, it says, Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong in the error of Balaam, and have perished in the rebellion of Korah. Three more reminders about those who are disobedient to God and the consequences for doing so. These false teachers have their consequences. Let the Lord take care of them. Leave room for God's wrath. Verse 10, it says, But these men revile the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct, like, unreasonable, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Verse 9, back it up one more verse, says, But Michael the archangel, when he disputed the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against a railing judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. We need to re leave room for God's wrath. Over in Romans chapter 10, we get a clear idea of this. Romans chapter 10. I beg your pardon, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. It says, Never repay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own vengeance, beloved. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's not in us to take our own vengeance. We need to leave room for the wrath of God. He will deal with those. We need to be aware of those. Mark them as necessary. Let God's wrath take care of them. Back in Jude, we get some more description about these. About these men. Those who would lead them astray. Verse 16 says, These are grumblers, finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly. Flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. We talked in our Bible class this morning about those who are jealous and seek after their own. 
They have their own ambitions ahead of everybody else from James chapter 3. We read there verse 16. Watch out for those. These are grumblers. They're finding fault. Following after their own lust. Speak arrogantly. They try to lead people astray by flattery, by whatever, whatever means necessary. Leading them astray. I love the way Jude describes these back up earlier in verse 12 and 13. These men are those who are hidden reefs in your love feast. And when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves. Hidden reefs. We know what that means. As we look out across the water, we see water. We don't see those reefs that are just underneath those things that can shipwreck boats. Those things that can bring them down. They're hidden beneath the waters. The next description. Clouds without water carried along by winds. We look up we see clouds and we have a certain expectation that they might rain. They might bring rain upon this earth. The Jews talking about these are, are useless. They're just clouds that are just blowing from here to there. They don't have any real use. Autumn trees without fruit. Come fall, we expect to harvest fruit off the trees, don't we? These men don't. There's no harvest there. Autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Wild waves on the sea, casting their own shame like foam. See those waves that are just out there, just tossed about, not really doing anything, but that destruction that they bring when they come to shore. Wandering stars from whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. Again, there's a usefulness to the stars. In old times, they used those to navigate. These just wandering stars have no use. These are the way that Jude describes these men. Be careful of those. Be careful of the false teachers. Back to Jude. Now, the third thing we can see is about keeping yourself in the love of God. Let's read verse 17. It says, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus. They were saying to you, In the last time there shall be mockers, following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause division, worldly-minded, minded, devoted, uh, devoid of the Spirit. You've been warned about these. Here they are. Here's the warnings that I have given. Notice verse 17 says, but, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that you were taught. You ought to be able to recognize these. You ought to remember the words that we have taught you in the past, not the words that they are bringing to you, but the things you know to be true. Paul reminded the young evangelist Timothy of this twice. In 1 Timothy, he warned in verse 4, 1 Timothy 4, beginning verse 1, says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared, shared in by those who believe and know the truth. Paul's warning the young evangelist Timothy about this. 
the Spirit says in the latter times, some will fall away. They have their own conscience seared with a branding iron. In other words, they will practice things for so long and be in the air for so long that it's hard to get them back because it's been seared over. It's been branded over with a branding iron. Calloused over. Hard to get those people back. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 3 and 4. Similar language. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desire and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Again, warning. There are some that won't endure sound doctrine. Their time will come when the brethren won't endure sound doctrine. But what will they do? They will bring in for themselves teachers who tell them what they want to hear. not the truth. It's just what they want to hear. Verse 4 says, and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. One thing about God's Word, it is the truth. If we teach and preach from the truth, then we're doing right. If we get away from the truth, there's penalty to pay. Leading others astray, and storing up for ourselves wrath in that final day. Brethren, we have to stick to the truth. Not bring in those who will tickle our ears with the things that we want to hear. But rather stick with the truth. Jude is reminding them they've been warned about this. You know, who these, you know what the truth is. Don't turn aside to these things. As for them, they were supposed to remain faithful. Back over in Jude, now in verse 20. Verse 17 says, You've been told the truth, but there are some who are going to try to lead you astray. But verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life yourself in the love of God. Remain faithful to God. Yes, all these things are taking place around you, but you remain faithful. Keep yourself in the love of God. And in so doing, there's he mentions here those who are straying. He gives us some insight into how to lead those back. First of all, we're supposed to do it gently for some. Look in verse 22. And have mercy on some who are doubting. If there's some that are doubting, we need to gently bring them back. Have mercy on them. There's some that we need to be more aggressive with. Verse 23. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Some that we need to be aggressive with. There are some that are living in sin. There's some that have sin in their lives and we know it. We need to snatch them out of the fire. We need to aggressively pull them aside. Say, brother, you need to change. And there's some that we need to do this carefully. The second part of verse 23. And on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. Some we have to be very careful about. We might become entangled in sin ourselves. 
hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. We're to hate sin. We get too close to it, we can be tempted to be soiled by those dirty garments ourselves. We need to be careful with that. Three different ways that we deal with people. Gently, or aggressively, or carefully. But the idea is building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Keeping yourselves and keeping those around us in the love of God. Fourth thing we'll look at this morning is relying on God for strength. Relying on God for strength. Look at verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. He is able to keep you from stumbling. What a great exhortation that is to us. Look over 2 Peter chapter 1. This was part of Brad's reading this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 10. It says, Therefore, brethren, be able to be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. He's just come out of those lists, of those things, uh, what we've called the, the Christian virtues. Faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly love, brotherly kindness, and love. These things. If you practice these things, you will never stumble. What a great encouragement that is. What a great promise that is to us. Jude says he is able to, to help us not to stumble. Peter says if you practice these things, you won't stumble. If you are truly practicing these things, truly seeking after, after God, you will never stumble. Talking about these qualities. In verse 8, it says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfaithful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're practicing these things and they're increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. That's how we never stumble. Verse 25, back in Jude. As we talk about relying on God's strength. Verse 25 says, To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. We serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. You think about the things that He has done for us. And has done for mankind throughout history. What does it say there? Before all time, and now, and forever. What an awesome God we serve. And he's been that way in the past. He's that way now. He'll be that way in the future. Hebrews 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, Today, forever. What a blessing we have to know that God is never changing. He has always been, has al and always will be. And He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. When we think about how we go about serving Him, there's nothing, nothing left to question. He's given us all things that we need 
to serve Him and be a true servant of God. So we begin another year today. Today is the first day, 2017. Now is a good time to recommit ourselves to serving God. A fresh start. Everybody's looking for that, aren't they? It's a fresh start. Time to start over. What better thing that we can do than to recommit ourselves to serving God? As we do that, we can remember these lessons that we just brought out of this short epistle from Jude. Contend earnestly for the faith. Stand up for God. Contend earnestly. Make an argument. Give an account for the hope that lies within you. Beware of false teachers. It's always been, always will be those who try to beset the children of God. From the very beginning. Always has, always will be. Beware of those false teachers. Take the appropriate actions. But leave room for the vengeance of God. Keep ourselves in the love of God. Think about how we live our daily lives. Encourage ourselves and keep ourselves in the love of God. Help those who need help. Gently or more aggressively or carefully. However it is that each one of those has need. Keep them all in the love of God. At last, rely on Him for strength. He has not left us abandoned. He's not left us as orphans. He is our Heavenly Father. As I've said, He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness from 2 Peter 1. He's given us all that we need. He is our Father. He is our Heavenly Father. He has not left us as abandoned children, but has adopted us as sons, fellow heirs with Christ. What a wonderful blessing that is. So as we set off in this new year, let's keep these things in mind. Remember these things. If you're not a child of God, you're lacking in your life. There's more for you out there. The blessings that we enjoy through Jesus Christ are for His children. Starts with hearing. You've heard the word of God today. There's a lot more there. There, I'm sure you don't want to hear me preach the whole Bible today. It might take a while. But you've heard a portion of God's word. God's word has the power to heal. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Romans 1 and verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Hearing it, we must believe. John 8, verse 24, Unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. We talked about believing. What it means to believe. And that belief leads us to repenting. Leads us to turning around in our life. Knowing that we're going down the wrong road. We need to turn and come back to God. Acts 17, verse 30, God is declaring all men everywhere to repent. He wants us to come back to Him, to repent. We have to make that confession. We've talked a lot about confession in this lesson. Standing up for God. Remember that, that quote from Isaiah, 
And the Lord is looking for someone to go and tell the word. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Confess. Matthew 10, verse 32. Everyone therefore who shall confess me before men, I shall confess him before my Father who is in heaven. That sounds familiar. We talked about that earlier. There's that good confession. Confessing before men who God is and who Jesus Christ is. Upon doing that, you, you are a candidate for baptism. You are ready to be baptized. Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is that step, that final step. We're buried in water in baptism. We come up out of it a new creature. Coming in contact with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we're a child of God. The last thing that we have to do then is to live a life of service to God. Live a life of faith to God. Constantly renewing our faith. Constantly building ourselves up. Be faithful in the death and I will give you the crown of life. From Revelation 2 and verse 10. A faithful life to God is the last thing he asks of us. And that's what we do each and every day, hopefully. If you are subject to that gospel call, I'd like to study more. I encourage you to do so. If you need further study, I'm more than willing to study with you. To talk about these things in more depth. See what it is that you need to do in more depth about becoming a child of God. But the invitation is there, as it always is. If you are subject to it, have anything that you would like to confess before this congregation, you can do that as together we stand and sing to the Bye. 